This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Your WebmasterRadio.fm program will begin shortly following this message. On the road. On the boat. Working out. Or up in the air. Now you can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on the go from anywhere. Look for WebmasterRadio.fm on TuneIn. Available for download on your iPhone, iPad, BlackBerry, Android, Palm, Samsung, and Windows Phone. As well as Google TV, Yahoo TV, and Roku. Tune in to WebmasterRadio.fm on the go from anywhere by downloading TuneIn right now. WebmasterRadio.fm. We really are everywhere. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and please be seated. We have a very good show for you today. We're going to talk about the dark side of one of the hottest segments in Internet commerce today, and that is the online data bigger than actually the porn industry itself. And it has been rapidly rising, but with it has also been a number of concerns from um, complaints with the Better Business Bureau, and now we're seeing several lawsuits. And um, we have with us today... Uh, a, a man aptly named for a show like this, Mark Webb, um, who's uh, an attorney with background with um, from Harvard and um, the Justice Department, and now is in private practice in California. And he represents Carol Markin, who is um, part of a class action lawsuit against Match.com, um, stemming from her being um, hooked up with a sex offender um, through Match.com. And um, Mark, are you with us? Here, I'm just admiring the way you're introducing me. So, thank you. Um, well, thank you for coming. Now, um, now your client, the lawsuit was initially filed as a Jane Doe lawsuit, um, as is often the case with with rape cases, just because of the sensitivity of protecting the victim's identity. Um, but your right. client has since come public. Um, what, what what was behind that? Well, um, the, the the Jane Doe lawsuit uh, gained a lot of interest and got a lot of attention, and people uh, in the media just sort of grabbed onto the idea of the fact that this woman uh, was on a date on a website that was an introductory website, Match.com, which I believe is the largest <laughs> kind in the world. It's a, a billion-dollar business, billion-dollar business. Um, and they have millions and millions of members that pay a monthly fee for introductory services. And uh, she went on a date with somebody who was a previously convicted sex offender, which would have easily been discoverable had Match.com had some pre-screening device in place. And having a pre-screening device in place is not difficult or expensive either. So... Um, when the media got a hold of this story, uh, there was a, sort of a clamor for some change. And in fact, within about three days, four days, I would say Match.com did a reversal because I had spoken with their attorneys and they said, no, we're not interested in doing pre-screening for sex offenders. We've thought about it. We're not going to do it. 
But when we filed a complaint for injunction against them, and the media grabbed a hold of it, uh, and there were press conferences and TV interviews, uh, my client had her face veiled and shrouded on TV, the clamor just got louder and louder, and I think that Match.com and what, what would be described by me as a very shrewd business decision uh, decided to reverse themselves, and now they announced on their own press release that they're going to do, and they are going to do, uh, sex offender pre-screening. And so, to answer your question, as a result of that, some shows in New York, like Good Morning America and Early Show and Today Show, wanted her and asked her if she would unveil her identity and show her face. And so she did. Now, um, I've seen some statistics that as many as up to one in ten um, online, um, one in ten um, sexual predators use online dating to find their victim. And so I don't know if that necessarily means it's one in ten online daters is a sexual predator. The two are distinct. But um, it, was, it would seem that at least Match.com was on notice that this was a problem. And then actually there have been prior rapes involving Match.com, um, you know, participants that is what i've heard i haven't heard the one in ten figure and i'd be interested to know where you got it uh, for my purposes but uh it wouldn't surprise me i know that facebook had tens of thousands of people that they took off facebook because they found out because of an attorney general's request in some state that they asked for their sexual predator list or whatever i'm not exactly sure about that but the point being is there's a lot of them out there, and I don't, I'm not, I can't talk to you about other cases that are exactly like this one, where there was a previously registered, easily discoverable sex offender that they could have screened out. I don't know about those cases specifically. I know about this case, and I can tell you that in this case, this guy was easily found in L.A. County. He registers in L.A. County, and um, he should have and could have been screened out. He has like six offenses, I believe. Six offenses. Six different women, I'm told. Now, um, there has been... What would you like to see um, Match.com do, and have they already done it? What I'd like to see them do is I'd like to have them, now that they've, in a sense, admitted that this is a good thing, which is, I think, progressive, and I've applauded them for that, um, I'd like them to do it faster because they're saying they're going to do it within 60 to 90 days. They don't need 60 to 90 days to do that. They could do that in a few days. I have an investigative service in L.A. I've spoken to put it into effect in, you know, less than a week. Um, so, number one, I don't want to wait because, you know, God forbid somebody in the next 60 to 90 days uh, should go on a date with somebody who's a previously convicted sex offender or sexual predator that they could easily find and they become a victim and we don't want that I mean we don't want to have that happen to anybody I'm sure they don't want it to happen either so I don't know why they're doing this legal sort of uh, PR maneuvering with 60 to 90 days number one number two I don't think that they should just be checking the federal sex offender bank because that's not adequate I think they should be checking the county in which people say they reside when they should be on, on their membership because the county will have more accurate records of people that are registering as sex offenders and uh, I've communicated with the lawyers for MASH.com and their position is they're going to do what they're going to do, period, the end Now um, the one concern is that if, you, if there was screening for sex offenders um, that could create a false sense of security to the extent that um, you know sex offenders would just register under assumed names and the screening wouldn't capture them. It's uh, it's not a fail-safe system. It can never be a fail-safe system. There could be people that are out there that have never been prosecuted for rape and that are just sort of latent rapists and predators. Nobody's saying that, that they should give a guarantee or an insurance policy. We're just saying they should do the best they can do under the circumstances. And, and, and the best they can do under the circumstances, I believe, is better than what they've proposed. Uh, and let's not forget in the beginning, they proposed to do nothing. 
Right. And uh, now they're doing something. So it's already progress, and that, in that sense is a victory to get them to do that. And, and now we just want them to go uh, a bit further and do more. I mean, they are a very powerful, wealthy uh, company, and their whole message is to sell happiness and love and, and, and marriage and relationships. And, you know, we all want that. I want that. Everybody wants love. And so if that's their business, then oughtn't they to be uh, in, in, in the business of doing it as safely as reasonably possible, not an insurance policy, not a guarantee, because you've got to watch out for yourself. Everybody has responsibility for their self. You meet a stranger online, obviously there's, there's stuff you've got to do for yourself. On the other hand, they shouldn't be allowing people that have easily discoverable sex offenses uh, on the website to begin with, and, and that I think is not too much to ask. What do you think? Well, I mean, um, I know that there's some state states that are starting to jump into this issue as well. And um, for example, I think Texas is actually considering a law requiring um, some form of, of disclosure or checking for sex offenders. And do you, do you think that this is something states should step into, or? Um, do you think we'll at least let the, let the sites try to address it on their own first? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question now. Sure. Uh, is this something happening recently since this case in Texas? Because I haven't heard about it. Um, I know Texas and Connecticut are considering laws, and um, I think some of it may predate this case. Um, I know the Texas um, um, proposal has advanced somewhat, and um, I can take a quick look to see what what the date of that was. Um, and um, well, while but, you're um, looking, let me just say that um, your question gives me the opportunity to say that I think that legislation is a good thing, and I think that legislation also is something that sort of crawls along at its own pace, and. Uh, what I found out in this case is that, you know, taking the judicial route, and I know you have a lot of attorneys who listen to this program, mm -hmm. uh, can be lightning fast, and it was in this case. And the judicial route, when combined with the interest of the public and public relations uh, that can go along with a case if used properly, can have an immediate result quickly, whereas... I know that in California we have uh, an attorney general who's been the DA in San Francisco, and now she's the attorney general, um, and she wanted to have legislation that required sex offenders to register if they're using online dating. Now, that's different than having legislation that requires online dating services to screen. You understand the difference, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay. So, so... Uh, what, I, what I would say to your question is that the legislative route is good. It's a good route. Um, it's slow. It just takes time to get things passed. The judicial route can be very quick. I mean, I potentially could uh, have gotten uh, an injunction against these people. And uh, that could have happened, you know, relatively quick. And need I tell you what an injunction would do? I mean, it would shut down a company that is probably a million-dollar-a-day company right? For, uh, for the period of time that the judge seems it's appropriate until they put in what he thinks is appropriate. I mean, after all, we do have a system in this country where we have uh, judges and juries, and, you know, I've always maintained in my, in my experience as a lawyer that that's the saving grace of our, of our system. And we have the legislative, we have the executive branch, and they're all fine and good, but, you know, that third branch is the judicial one. And we don't have to necessarily wait for the legislature of a state or of a country to decide that it's a good law to pass, because we can put that in the hands of a judge. Now, um, the, the lawsuit has generated some criticism. Um, you know, one is just in general the um, immunity that sites like Match.com have under the um, Communications uh, Communications Decency Act, and um, that um, you know they're really not liable for you know what what happens in these type of situations. And um, and the other criticism I've heard is that by requiring um, 
sites to engage in screening, in order for it to be effective, you know, it could be invasive, meaning it would require users to give up some of their privacy for something that may or may not even be effective, particularly since if um, you know, false information is provided by sex offenders. I don't, know what, I don't know what your thoughts are on either of those points. Well, you know, there's always going to be debate with any kind of progress and any kind of change. And, you know, there's always a downside to everything. And, and, and you know, uh, probably when Ben Franklin flew a kite, there are some people that said, well, this is, this is strange and this isn't particularly good either. And when people started putting uh, warnings on cigarette packs and said, you know, this stuff could hurt you, uh, there were people that probably thought that was silly and, and, and ridiculous, too. But, you know, they've become part of our culture. And, and we live in a country where we are blessed to be, uh, to some extent, protected more than in other countries. For things. And I think that that is the result in large part of what can happen if the right lawyering takes place. So, yeah, I'm sure that... There are some issues with invasion of privacy that need to be addressed. On the other hand, if you are joining a website to meet, let's say you're a man, and you're joining a website to meet women, then oughtn't you really uh, expect that they're going to screen you for previous sex offenses? I mean, you know, really, if you're a sex offender, what, what, what right do you have to complain about invasion of privacy if you've got a conviction True. for a sex offense? And I actually think that I like the, uh, the idea, of, you know, the California Attorney General idea of requiring the sex offender to register if they're using the site because that would make, that would make more sense in that um, to the extent that they fail to do so, then that would be a violation of their you know, par- parole and you know, that could be another – it could be a third strike or it could be you – know, there could be some um, sanction afforded there um, just by their failure to do so. Well, maybe you could reach out to Kamala Harris to have her on your show because she's a very intelligent woman and she has been the one who introduced that legislation in 2010 and it hasn't been passed as far as I know. And now she's the attorney general and, you know, um, I, I would love to hear her thoughts about it. I think she's, she'd, be, she'd be in favor of anything that, that affords more protection to women who are vulnerable to being you know, exposed to sexual predators, and I think that anybody would be. I mean, the, the, the reason this case became so interesting is that a lot of people, first of all, didn't recognize that this wasn't already being done. And I've talked to a lot of people who are, you know, intelligent people, press, media, lawyers, just people who have said, I, I like how you wow. separate the three, um, intelligent people, press, and lawyers. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do that. They're all in the same category for me. But they, they, they have they've expressed surprise that in fact this is not already in play. Why isn't it already in play? I mean, so what that means to me is there are a lot of people on this website and other uh, dating sites that don't even know that this isn't already happening. I mean, there are people that are assuming that they're safe. So anyway, for one reason or another, it's brought it out into the public consciousness that you can't assume anything. So, and, and, and on that yeah. point, I, mean, the, uh, um, I just looked up what the Texas proposal was, and it kind, of, it, it, it kind of addresses your point exactly, and that all the Texas law would do if it was, if it was enacted would be require um, a, such a site before it allowed um, members to um, access user profiles to disclose whether or not they um, checked for, they did background checks or not. And so, you know, that way, before the user even enters that universe, it knows, um, you know, whether it needs to be on the lookout or not, or, and um, so that sounds like a reasonable approach. I think that's a great approach, and that, that actually tells the, the, the dating sites that they have an obligation under law. And I don't think that's the case anywhere in the country right now. So, um, anyway, so back to your point is, well, you know, what is the downside on this? I don't really see a downside on it in terms of invasion of privacy, and I don't see a downside on it in terms of the business model. Um, and I think that 
people should expect, I think they're reasonable to expect, that rapists, convicted sexual offenders, are not going to be allowed to use this site. Because they're very clever people. I mean, you know, obviously they want what they want. And they're going to be manipulative and charming. I think that, you know, and they're going to be recidivist. I think statistics show that they're recidivist, which means they're going to do it again. And so what then becomes the obligation? And, and the last thing I want to say is that, you know, we learn in law school that there's supposed to be some shared responsibility here. And in the marketplace where a company as large and successful and profitable as Match.com has enormous wealth and profits for what it does, then, you know, we spread the responsibility a bit because they have the ability to really sort of, um, you know, uh, absorb that. They can, they have, they have, they certainly have more power in terms of screening sex offenders than a woman who's out on a date, don't you think? I would think so. Well, Mark, you get the final word on that. I really appreciate you for taking the time to spend with us. And, um, you know, best of luck to you in the, in the lawsuit. And, um, you know, sorry your client had to go through what she did. And, um, but hopefully, um, you know, it definitely brought the issue to light. And so we're going to take a, bra- a break. And, Mark, thanks again. Um, we'll be back after these messages. The pleasure. Good work Stay on your show. for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. As you know, being an expert at f- what did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f- Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f- performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. Oh! Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Two, one, booster ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. We're rocking the world with LinkedIn. Hey, it's Mike O'Neill and Lori Rock, the LinkedIn rock stars. We are ready to rock your world with LinkedIn. Join your fearless leaders, Mike and Lori, as they reveal insider secrets. Because I know the secrets, don't I, Mike? Chat with other LinkedIn gurus. We have, we have great guests on our show. Today is no exception at all. And answer your LinkedIn questions. All caps, Mountain Dew, comma, space, all little letters, sleep. Rock the world with LinkedIn, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back, and thanks again to Mark um, for, for joining us. It's a definitely a very interesting topic and one that everyone's been talking about for some time. And, um, but it's interesting, um, some of the stats that are out there, um, there actually are statistics on um, not only just the, the number of predators um, who use online dating, but there are also statistics on what people lie about most in online dating. And... Um, that's kind of an interesting thing, and we'll get to that in, in a few minutes. But um, the online dating industry has boomed dramatically over the years, and it's really getting increasing attention. But there's also been a dramatic rise in complaints with the BBB. And every Valentine's Day, the Better Business Bureau does release um, a warning about being careful online 
And I guess it's just like in any other site, you know, caveat emptor. Um, so, but getting back to some of the statistics out there on online dating, um, for example, here's some you may want, you may not know. Um, Online dating magazine, first of all, did you know there was an online dating magazine, um, estimates in 2007 that 120,000 marriages a year occur as a result of online dating um, and that um, those paying for online dating services spend a total of $239 a year on online dating and that consumers spent over $214 million on personals and dating content um, in 2003 and that has to be way up by now. But... Um, what was interesting was that um, what people lied about online and um, basically um, men tended to lie about um, their age and um, women tended to lie about um, you know, their, their, um, their weight. Um, those were two things that definitely were distinguishable. But there also was statistics about um, the number of online predators and that um, one in ten predators do actually um, troll online dating services, and I think that fact and um, you know, what we learned about through um, talking with Mr. Webb um, definitely are a word to the wise for those involved in online dating. Ben, and uh, I think ben, jump, I got to jump in for a second because um, when you just passed by, you just kind of quickly went across and said how women lie about their weight on online dating sites. You, yeah, you know which ones those are—the ones that like take the pictures from like outer space, and they just point all the way up, and they like take the pictures so it's like looking down at them to like cover the face. Or even better, yeah, they 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 pull something from the net. You know, you, you find that well, you know Marissa like Miller 15, is, like a like is the yeah, this forty-eight-year-old um, housewife. Um. Or they find some really dark, grimy picture from like nineteen eighty that like looks like they look good. And a bikini from like fifty feet away. That's usually how you kind of like figure that out. It, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, I've actually I was I got married before online dating was in vogue. And um, but you know, I've been to, I was at a wedding a couple of years ago, and this is actually as many as five years ago. So even before this really took off, and um, what the 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 minister for the wedding said, this is the third wedding she's done that day um, for a couple. And all the couples met online, so it, it really is. Um, it really is something that um, is is taking off. Now, here's some. Here's the actual stats. Uh, online men lie most about their age, height, and income. And so, if anyone's listening, I am six foot four. I played in the NBA, and um, and I'm only thirty two years old. Um, women, on the other hand. Lie most about their weight, physical build, and age. And so, um, I guess um, if, if we had a, a female counterpart, she would be um, 22, <laughs> weigh 110 pounds, and be as petite as you can imagine. Um, and the other thing was, um, one out of 10 users on online dating sites are scammers, and one out of 10 um, users leave within the first three months. And one out of ten um, sex offenders I mentioned use that. Um, those are some of the highlights of the statistics that came out. And um, so it's um, – let me see. I'll tell you where you can find um, this data. There's a little, a cute little infographic that has um, some nice drawings that go with it. Um, it was on Huffington Post, but they actually took it down recently. But um, I'll see if I can find it um, and we'll go back to that. Now, now um, the marriages you were talking about, how many marriages do you say have led into online dating? Because I know the one that I've heard was one-third of on, uh, people that do online dating do end up getting married. And, and, and actually, yeah, that, that, um, there are um, more than 120,000 marriages a year. Um, in terms of um, the number of um, people who end up getting married, I actually saw that stat recently. And... Um, but I will have that for you in a sec. But yeah, yeah. in terms of the number of people who get married, is is high. I, I think mean, yeah. um, there's, um, you know, as I think, and actually, what's interesting, I saw one stat was that the um, the number of people, um, the 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 duration of relationships, um, to from inception to um, I should say conception, but um, inception to actual marriage is actually much shorter with online dating than in um, 
um, offline dating, oh, yeah. well, and it actually is, um, I think, about half, um, you know, from 18 months or something like, you know, three years or something like that. Um, I'm probably not, don't have the precise number, but it, it really is a dramatic difference in um, the, seg- the segment. And so that's why it's taking off. And also, um, you know, I think that the whole stigma of, you know, dating online, like, oh, you know, can't you get a date? Um, you know, people are realizing it makes sense. I mean, I mean, the, the stereotype of, you know, going to a bar and meeting someone, um, I mean, what are, what are people's success rate at bars? Um, I like to find someone who's had a higher than 50% success rate at a bar. And, you know, because you, you're going there with the people who are there for um, completely a variety of reasons. They could be there to meet a friend. They could be there to watch a game. They could be any number of reasons. Whereas when you go to a, an online dating site, you know, unless you're dealing with a sex offender, um, you're there pretty much um, for the same reason. And, and you're allowed to screen people, something you really can't do in a bar, and um, even do you know, some limited um, communication beforehand. And it just you know, it has that advantage. And I think people have, you know, that that's what's helped lift the stigma. And um, so I think it's, it's really a segment that you're going to see more of. Um, and what's interesting, the sign that it's doing well, is it's, it's segmenting. You're seeing groups like J-Day, you know, um, and even uh, I was talking to a friend who um, was going to, um, there's a site for biracial dating. And, um, and so you know, the fact that it's segmenting is a sign that it has gone beyond mainstream success, and now you know, it's in a niche market. And, um, and I think that's, you're going to see more and more of that as we go on. And, but also you're going to see more issues. And um, you know, so how, do, how will sites seg- you know, distinguish themselves? Obviously one way is segmentation, but another way would be, could be services, you know, verification. Um, another way could be reviews. You know, we will allow you to have reviews of, of our, um, you know, of our daters or something like that. I think it's, it's an area that's definitely crying out. And, um, so, but it's, um, it's definitely one area to watch and going forward. And, um, but, um, we have a couple other things we'd like to go over today. Um, just some updates on some things we, we covered before. And we remember we had, um, we had a guest from the Electronic Frontier Foundation to talk about the battle with copyright troll um, Right Haven. Right Haven is an organization that was established by Stevens Media Group, which is the publisher of the Las Vegas Review Journal. And what Stevens Media Group did when setting up Right Haven was it gave it a task of going after um, perceived copyright infringers, people who were um, publishing links, excerpts, or pictures um, from um, the Stevens Media content, you know, with the Las Vegas Review Journal and other papers that they owned. And then some additional um, media groups joined in as well to add, um, for example, the Denver Post, I believe, got in. And then um, there's a Chattanooga paper that got in and an Arkansas paper that got in. And, um, and so over 250 lawsuits were filed um, to date um, by Right Haven, and it's caused quite a stir in the internet, and people have been quite angry about it. And it, as you remember, we, we talked about it. Well, since our conversation, um, a court has unsealed the contract between Right Haven and Stevens Media. And in, in pursuing the lawsuits against all the various um, defendants, um, it is, it's a copyright lawsuit. And part of the um, allegations in the copyright lawsuit is that you, know, you have the rights to the copyright. And in each of the lawsuits, Stevens, um, excuse me, Wright Haven claimed that they have the exclusive rights to the copyrights at issue. And, um, and so therefore they, they had standing to enforce it, which is always a predicate. You know, any lawsuit, you have to, uh, one, have standing to bring it. And two, you know, it has to be in the right jurisdiction. And so, um, you know, the, that, that threshold element, you, know, you do not get past go unless you have that. Well, the contract revealed, actually, that um, Right Haven did not have the exclusive rights. And that actually all it was is Stevens um, gave them the right to enforce the copyright and then share in the proceeds of the lawsuits. But that um, Right Haven has no interest in the actual um, copyright itself. In fact, it's not damaged 
um, by use of the copyright. You know, basically, its income is only affected by whether or not it enforces the lawsuit. So there's no value, and there's no injury to Right Haven itself by a diminution in the value of the copyright. You know, the only value they get out of the copyright is in enforcing it. And so it's caused quite a stir um, in that Right Haven has you know, gone through 250 lawsuits, and they're still somewhat defiant. Um, but um, in the EFF, as we mentioned, um, they've actually taken on Right Haven quite strongly in a, a lawsuit that Right, right Haven brought a lawsuit against a, a, a political blog called Democratic Underground. And um, EFF stepped in on their behalf, and um, Right Haven um, dismissed the case, but EFF is still going after them for um, wrongful, uh, their wrongful actions. And is um, at this point, we, we, it could be a, a knockout blow for Right Haven in this whole effort, and so it's it's a definite a major development um, that has happened in in the last, the last few weeks. In addition, Right Haven, one thing that they were seeking was the ability to, in addition to seeking damages as you are entitled to in the copyright laws, what Right Haven was also seeking was the um, the seizure of the domain of the infringer. And keep in mind that the people they're suing aren't um, these people that are out there suing, uh, excuse me, out there, out there, you know, um, trying to make a, make a living on you know, other people's copyrights. These are small-time bloggers for the most part and a lot of non-profits. And, um, you know, there have been some sizable people. Um, and interestingly enough, one of them was um, Senate candidate Sharon Engel. Um, but so they, they send these um, – instead of sending demand letters, they, they've just sued them. And what they always ask for is damages and seizure of the domain. And uh, it turns out there's no statutory authority for that. And uh, a court has uh, – a Colorado court has, has more or less dismissed that claim. And Wright Haven, despite you know, the judgment of the court and despite the fact that they have a number of cases before this very same judge um, – has um, continued to file complaints making that demand. And, um, and then in um, another case, um, Wright Haven um, actually um, filed a suit against an autistic blogger and who made a, a little bit of a living through his blogging. And um, the court, in, in, in dismissing its claim, um, Wright Haven submitted something to the court that made some backhanded remark about um, the defendant and saying that you know it, it kind of dismissed the arguments made by the defendant, but we're still we're still um, dismissing the case. And the court actually struck what Wright Haven submitted in his proposed order. And Wright Haven then had the audacity to resubmit it more or less with the same language. So they're very much a defiant group, and but their, their day may be coming soon. And so definitely keep, keep an eye on this space because I think what we're going to see soon is a judgment involving Wright Haven um, where they could be liable to um, many of the defendants who they've sued. So we're going to take a short break and we come back. Um, we'll have a few other um, updates to cover and um, we'll send you on your way. And um, we'll be right back. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money. 
You can promote any product immediately. No contract required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and um, I found the Mashable.com actually has the infographic on online dating. It's um, available at Mashable.com, and um, just type in online dating infographic, and you should be able to find it. Um, in the United States, 40 million people use online dating, and um, but that's small change compared to China, where it's 140 million. And um, of the um, services, Match.com has 15 million members, but that's um, even less than eHarmony, which has 20 million. And um, some of the other interesting stats was in the U- in the United States, the average user age is 48. Um, and that the online dating industry is worth more than a billion dollars per year, and it's bigger than bigger industry than porn. And that the next big segment is mobile phone dating, and that's worth already about half a billion, and is expected to reach 1.3 billion by 2013. Um, some of the other things we talked about: what men lie about and what women lie about, and that. Um, and here's you know, for those of you who want to go online. Um, one of the three women who met men online have sex on the first encounter. Um, so uh, there, there's definitely an endorsement for you. Um, and surprisingly, um, four out of five of them did not use protection. Um, and, and this one I really like. The, the porn industry blames its recent $74 million decline in online dating sites. So shame on you, Match.com. Um, any event, um, the average length of courtship for marriage for people who have met online is 18 and a half months. So I was right about a year and a half. Um, but if they met on offline, it's 42 months. And um, so this was researched by OKCupid. Um, apparently, women's desirability online peaks at 21. At 26, women have more online pursuers than men. And by 48, men have twice as many online pursuers as women. Um, so, actually, I'm approaching my 48th birthday. Um, it's an interesting stat, although my wife probably wouldn't appreciate that much. Any event, um, and as I mentioned before, one out of ten sex offenders use online dating to meet people. So, definitely check that out. It's kind of a cute little infographic on um, Mashable.com, and um, it's definitely an interesting uh, little thing to check out. A um, couple of things, um, a couple of notable points to bring out today is significant in history for a number of reasons. Um, one, are you ready, Brasco? Um, today, mm-hmm. um, someone comes of age, someone who's been near and dear to all of us and um, has been an integral part of all our lives. And yes, um, you know, turning 30 is always a big moment, especially when it is the computer mouse. So happy 30th happy birthday, birthday, computer mouse. Um, I'm sure you'll celebrate it in style as we all um, enjoy our carpal tunnel. Thank to you. But um, another in- interesting date is, um, as you saw t- today's headlines of um, we were shelling um, Tripoli. Today is the um, the date that um, the in the first Barbary War, the United States Marines actually attacked Tripoli um, in 1805, and that's that's the origin of the. Um, from the shores of Tripoli in the uh, Marine Fight Song. So um, this goes way back. And, um, and if also, if you always wondered why um, Canada's capital is in Ottawa, not Toronto, um, it's because in 1813 we actually captured Toronto, or what is um, now known as Toronto, in the Battle of York. So it's a couple of interesting stats. But there's an interesting... Um, other event that's coming up, and that's this Friday, um, and will be the launch of the Space Shuttle Endeavor, and the, the captain of the launch will be Mark Kelly, and this will be, um, he will be commander of the launch. He's flown a number of pre-prior Space Shuttle missions, as well as, I believe, um, some 30-plus 30 30 missions, combat missions in Desert Storm, and um, 
this will be the last Mission 4 endeavor, although I think there's talk about extending it, and uh, one of the last um, space shuttle launches altogether. And um, Mark Kelly is better known as the husband of Gabby Giffords, um, who was unfortunately shot um, just this um, last January. And, um, and the great news is that Gabby will be joining um, Mark at the launch in, on Friday. And um, as someone who, you know, who has met both Mark and Gabby and can kind of test that these, that these are they're a wonderful couple, and uh, it's really uh, it's really exciting to hear that um, Gabby will be able to attend and that her recovery is progressing um, far enough that um, that that she will be there. And um, anyway, if you just think about you know this couple, in, in regardless of your politics, I mean these are two people that have been very dedicated civil servants. I mean Mark has been um, in, in in the military his whole career. Um, Gabby um, actually was the youngest woman ever elected to the um, Arizona Senate, and um, she has been um, actually quite successful in a, a Republican district as a Democratic congresswoman. Um, she's very highly regarded, although it is a very um, evenly divided district. And um, But one thing that just shines through when you meet her is a, you know, a very strong commitment to public service. And, and to her, her community. And you know, from what I understand reports, she's very eager to get back to Tucson. And um, so we hope that day happens soon. Um, it's very unfortunate that what happened, both in terms of you know the, the shootings that took place at her office um, following the, her vote on health care. Um, I don't know if you recall, but following um, the passage of health care by the House um, in 2010, um, several um, Congress people had their office shot at, and one of them was Gabby, and um, that was that was very disturbing. And you know, there, she's worked and lived in a very charged atmosphere um, since then, and unfortunately, it, it led to a day of tragedy. Um, but we, we were wishing Gabby well, and wish obviously wish Mark very well, and both of them bon voyage um, on their trip to um, Orlando, and, and Mark on his trip to space, and. Um, as you may know, Mark's um, twin brother is also a space shuttle commander, and he actually was in um, in space uh, on the day of Gabby's shooting. And um, he commented recently on an uh, interview with Katie Couric that just how you know strange it seemed looking down at the planet Earth, a very peaceful place, and when all these awful things were happening. But um, so anyway. I just wanted to wish them well. Um, they're two very good people, and um, we just—it's a—it's a very good event, I think, you know, for them and, and for all of us, and for the country. I think these people have served our nation well. But any event, um, I don't know, Brasco, do you have any parties planned for the uh, computer mouse birthday? <laughs> no, no, but there's always a reason. To, uh... I'll celebrate it by just keeping my right hand and just jiggling around the mouse. Care of work today, I guess. It's it, it's interesting. And not only was um, you know, today actually generally is in somewhat a bad day for Canada. Um, you know, not only did we the U.S. capture Toronto, um, during the war, and uh, I should be careful saying this because my wife's Canadian, and sometimes and if Jim I get out of hand, she reminds me of the fact that um, um. The, the, the Canadians, or more, more, more properly, the British, actually, uh, the war uh, later progressed to the point that they burned the White House down. So she always tells me, uh, don't get out of hand or we'll burn down the White House again. Mm -hmm. But um, aside from that, um, in 1959, the, uh, the last Canadian missionary left the People's Republic of China, which I guess, I guess they figured out you couldn't teach them hockey. Um, but the more interestingly was um, today was the official opening of Expo 67, which um, a lot of you are probably too young to remember. But um, that was one of the largest world fears of its time, and um, it's what led to Major League Baseball, um, the Major League Baseball awarding Montreal, what became known as the Montreal Expos, who now play in Washington, the nation's capital, as the Washington Nationals. So 
Thank you again, Canada. We appreciate the <laughs> we appreciate you contributing your baseball team to the you're nation's capital. Me, Bennett, you're just gonna make me gonna you're just gonna make me have to pull clips and put this on Hedger's show tomorrow. You know that. <laughs> I'm gonna have but to I'll, do it. You're just you're teasing. You're just um you're adding kerosene to the fire, counselor. <laughs> I'm being serious. I will do it. But um, because I'm not any of that. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brasco. I normally wouldn't touch that subject. All right, um, but any event, um, I guess the Canadians had their had their say last night with the the Canucks actually beating the defending champion um, Blackhawks in overtime. Uh-huh. So, um, actually have some clients up in um, the BC area. So, um, congratulations, a and um, but um, we were hoping to have this week um, the plaintiff in the lawsuit against Huffington Post. Um, the blogger who, who claims that um, bloggers should be entitled to one-third of the proceeds of the $315 million that were received from the, the sale of HuffPost to AOL. Um, he had a, a scheduling conflict, but maybe we'll have him back next week or thereafter. And um, so but I'm glad we were able to have um, Mark Webb on. And um, that's about all we got for today. And uh, thank you for joining us. Um, tune in next week and again you know, be sure to visit the chat room and as always if you have any questions you want us to address or issues we're always open to your suggestions um, in addition um, my blog is um, the um, at the internetlawcenter.net and we just have a new issue of Cyber Report where we talk about all that's going on in Washington on privacy so be sure to check it out and um, thanks again again this is Bennett Kelly and um, I can be also be reached on Twitter, um, Internet Law Cent, C-E-N-T, um, and um, as well as at Bennett Kelly on Twitter. So thanks again. I hope you'll join us next week. Um, check us out, internetlawcenter.net. And as always, um, case court is adjourned, and we will see you next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.